everyone, welcome to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with creatives and entrepreneurs about everything from travel to food and the discipline and drive to create. I believe that passion begets passion, so come on with me and let's do this. Today's guest is Alejandro Toro. He is a voiceover artist, a personality, an influencer, a photographer, a cook. He first became well-known on MasterChef. Alejandro is overall just a really creative guy, so he does not consider himself a chef, because he's not, but he does consider cooking an art, and he is dead set on being an influencer with purpose. In this episode, we talk about all kinds of things, everything from being a professional voiceover artist to the importance of routine in centering yourself, the amazing thing about time and opportunity, and the importance of venturing outside of your comfort zone. I always enjoy talking with Alejandro, so this was a great excuse to talk with him again. And uh, this is the first time that I have done a recording for the podcast from afar. So when we recorded, I was in London, he was in California. How's California? California is great. I actually just um, moved right next to the beach for the next couple of days because my body was asking me for some beach time. So I parked my home in front of the water. And my struggle right now is trying to get the waves out of the sound. What a bad problem to have, huh? <laughs> That's amazing. Everyone listening to the podcast is going to be like, why do I feel so relaxed and kind of sleepy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, you know, the issues of living too close to the water. For people who don't know, you live in a mobile home at the moment. Yeah, I live in a mobile home. Um, I have all my yeah. stuff here. And yeah, I spend sometimes, most of the time here near L.A., I'm in the mountains because it's easier, it's cheaper. But uh, when it's off season, I try to come to the beach as long as I can. <laughs> Alejandro, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so stoked to have you on. I am flattered to be on your podcast. And I'm so happy to be hearing your voice and talking to you just now because it was last week that we spent all week together doing a shoot in Austin and Denver. And so tell tell everyone the project that we did together. I feel I miss you already as well, because oh. it, it, it was an amazing time. Um, we traveled with Tastemade to uh, two different cities, Austin and Denver. And in each city, one of us had to be the host. So luckily for me, you were the first one and you were a great host at Austin. Um, we explored the city, we went to a couple of cool places, and and then we repeated the same thing where I was the host in Denver. Yes, and the Alejandro tour in Denver was awesome. I mean, both cities are so incredible. I don't think we could have gone wrong, really. That is true, that is true. The tours were full of surprises. We, we, we just had a bunch of amazing lined up activities. So. Yeah, we really did. And I mean, I wish that we could take all the credit for it, but we had an amazing production team working with us and the producers who scouted all of like the best spots. Oh, absolutely. We had the easiest part. We just went, enjoyed it, yeah. and take all the credit. <laughs> I know. We, we totally got the easy gig there. It was so much fun. Okay, so for anyone listening and who is not familiar with you, we're going to dig into everything. Everything, but right off the bat, people are probably noticing your lovely accent and your lovely voice, and which also explains why you have 
your own little audio setup in your mobile home is because you do a ton of voiceover work. That is absolutely correct. Tell people about some of the specific voiceover jobs you've had because there are some really fun ones in there. South Park, I've done um, The Fairly Odd Parents, Californication, The L Word, a bunch of TV series and cartoons that you've probably seen. And if you were to press that sap button, and listen to it in Spanish, you'll get to hear my voice. <laughs> I mean, it all started in Venezuela. I would always, you know, make jokes. Every time I read something, I would be like, I would just imitate it in that voice. Like, no te pierdas esta noche las ocho. Just because I, <laughs> so I heard good. the guy say it <laughs> in, in TV. So I would always imitate that. So it kind of became my thing. People were like, oh, you, you should be a voiceover actor. Or you should be a locutor. What's in Venezuela more like a broadcaster. And, and that's what I thought that the career was about about being that voice, always the super cool voice of the announcers and stuff. And, yes. And Wait, will you quickly, when we, when we would like be in the car going from location to location and listening to music, and then you would insert, you're like, yeah, in Venezuela, like the DJ <laughs> always comes in and like says his name and his number and like in the middle of the song and you would do that. So will you give us a quick taste of DJ Toro? Okay, okay, I will, I will. I think this will sound very relatable to anybody who's from Venezuela or I think any Latin American countries where you buy the albums that are, we call it like pirate albums, which are pretty much just burned CDs right. with a ton of music that you buy. But always the DJ who makes the CD always inserts his name and number in the middle of the song randomly and usually in the best parts too. So you'll hear <laughs> something like, DJ Viaco, El Anticristo, and then his phone number, like 0414-245-2828, and then the song and continues. Like, no, that was just in the chorus. Why are you ruining the song? Exactly, exactly. But then again, you just know, those are the best CDs too, because they find the best music, underground That's remixes. So, so, I mean, you listen to it, even though, you know, in the middle, you're listen to a DJ Toro. <laughs> okay, so so um, thank you for that tangent. I yeah. loved it. It cracked me up every time you did it. Okay, so um, so your path to becoming a legit voiceover artist. My first opportunity doing voiceover was um, dubbing novelas, strangely enough, from Spanish to English. So hmm. I still had my accent was a little thicker at that moment, and. I, I still had an accent, but it was okay because we were dubbing soap operas that were originally in Spanish to English for African markets. So we would actually sell these novelas to Africans and and they would play these novelas in English in Africa. So they were okay with the accent because it kind of gives it a more you know authentic feel. And that was my first um, voiceover opportunity. From then, I started, you know, casting. I actually got my first casting, which was one of my best commercials. It was for Chevy Silverado. And and then opportunities started coming little by little. I started doing, you know, Payless and AT&T and bigger brands. But then there's also a tangent of voiceover that I've always called the theater of voiceover. Um, because I know how theater for actors is uh, doesn't pay as well, but it's also sort of the truest form of the art. Mm -hmm. And I feel in voiceover, the same thing happens with dubbing and animation because you get to really do everything through your voice. You get to act, you get to, you know, you, you pant, you breathe, you, you're excited, you're sad, and everything goes through your voice. So you're in this booth 
acting out, but it's all through your voice. So it's it, it feels like a very pure form of voiceover. And in that realm, I've been very lucky to do huge characters like um, Randy Marsh in South Park, which is always <laughs> one of the ones that gets the, the best uh, recognition because he's also one of the most controversial characters of the series. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't translate exactly, but then that's also one of the challenges. One of the challenges of of um, dubbing these series is actually trying to find sense in these jokes for a Latin crowd. So it's not only having the voice. It's not like I have the voice also, you're done. I've I have learned from so many other people that don't have the voice and are so much more successful that I've uh, that I've gotten to this far at least because it's the voice has something to do with it, but it's very little. It's more about wow. um, taking directions, about acting. It's about, um, you know, timing. It's about persistence. It's about so many other things. You can train your voice every morning and you might not have the natural voice, but you can make it sound pretty darn good. Tell everyone where you are from. Okay, well, originally I am from Venezuela. I grew up in Venezuela, specifically in Margarita Island, a small island off the coast of, um, yeah, right north of Venezuela. And yeah, I lived there my whole life until I was 23 that I moved here to the U.S. Uh, I moved to Miami first and then Los Angeles. And even though, you know, I'm not home anymore, I'm, I still, I still keep Venezuela very close to my heart. I usually create content uh, in pro-Venezuela. Venezuela needs all the help it can take right now. So I'm always trying to shine a light on that. And and yeah, I mean, I make my arepas every morning. I'm, I'm your typical Venezuelan guy living in the U.S. <laughs> I love so much about what you kind of what you stand for like you you take so much pride in where you're from and from your social media posts i actually feel like you're educating americans and or or people who follow you from around the world about venezuela and what it's going through it's like a lot going on over there <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it's really hard to put into words it's really hard to explain cuz when we live in liberty we take it for granted and it happens to all of us it's not about not being thankful it's just that we you know, we adapt as humans. We adapt, and yeah. We believe here sometimes that we live a constricted life or something like that. But it's it's good to be reminded once in a while. Hey, look at the rest of the world. It's it's very different. Yeah, and these and and it's not like other people. It's like, oh, Alejandro, I love him, and he's so wonderful. Oh, and he's Venezuelan, and you put a face and a personality to a group of people going through a really hard thing right now. Absolutely. So I've I've been blessed with that opportunity. So when I began becoming this influencer, I realized that um, my message was always about Venezuela, talking, trying to educate people, like you were saying, trying to shine a light on Venezuela, because I noticed that a lot of people don't know what's going on. And what's going on in Venezuela is catastrophic, you know, as bad as, um, you know, as Hitler, as Stalin, as all those, you know, terrible people who killed millions and millions of of, of other people. This is the same thing that's going on right now as we speak in Venezuela. Wow. I mean, as a society, and there's so much information that comes our way that we've become kind of dull towards these things. You know, they don't affect us as much. So I feel my job, because of the influence 
I've gained here in the U.S. is to shine a light and remind people on what's going on in Venezuela to see how I can help people in Venezuela, but then also create that conscious so that people um, can appreciate what they have here and actually know what's going on outside of, of the U.S. So I think this all started when I made this uh, viral video uh, working as, as a video producer in BuzzFeed where I talked about my uh, personal situation in Venezuela and how I lived there, what the experiences I went through. And to my surprise, within a week, it had over... 20 million views and it was being shared all over the world and and that's when I realized the power that my that my voice had that my opinion had on this matter and I've made it a part of me to always you know let people know what's going on in Venezuela so yeah if you want to learn definitely follow my Instagram because I do actually I post a lot in Spanish and I have people who speak English constantly text me and say oh thank you so much I'm learning Spanish through your posts or yeah. through your stories. And I totally. love that. And, you, and not just on, you know, like text wise, like in terms of Instagram and Facebook, but on your YouTube channel, you also speak in English and in Spanish. And I really enjoyed it too, because yeah, I mean, <laughs> just the one week that we spent together for this video shoot, I feel like I learned a lot of Spanish. I learned a lot about Venezuela and Venezuelan food. And you really are just kind of like a walking Venezuelan pride <laughs> magnet or something. And so do you ever feel like pressure? Do you feel like that's a lot on your shoulders kind of to be such a representative of your home? Well, you know, at, at the beginning I did, when I was figuring it out, it I did feel a lot of pressure because I actually got pressure from people saying like, you should do this and you should do that. And, you know, everybody always has an opinion on what we should do influencers. I guess once I made peace with the fact that I can't solve the problems, I understood what my role is. And that's why I always say to shine a light, because that is the best I can do without feeling bad. Because the moment I decided to leave Venezuela was because I decided to live my life over my country's life. And it's a decision not a lot of people get to make, but I, I knew that if I stayed there, I had to fight for the liberty of my country. But if I left, I got to fight for my own freedom and my own dreams. So I, I can't forget that. I'm still fighting for my own dreams and what I believe in here. But the way I can still help and feel uh, my Venezuelan pride is by shining a light. So I don't feel as much pressure anymore. But every time I see something, I read something about what's going on in Venezuela, it just puts me back in that mindset of... the of uh, tending to my responsibility because it is my responsibility as a Venezuelan and as a human of, of a world citizen to shine a light on these things that are just not fair. That's, I just love that you so consciously um, are thinking about this as you take steps forward, that this is like a very much a part of, of your mind. And so when Early on, uh, after you moved to the States, when you were still living in Miami, I think it was kind of your big breakthrough. Uh, you were on MasterChef. Yeah. And you decided, like, right from the get-go, that, like, that was your kind of mission statement that you set for yourself, right? Was to be this representative. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, for me, it's always been about uh, taking opportunities. And these opportunities have presented themselves because I put myself in those 
position. So I guess the first big step was definitely moving to the U.S. Um, I didn't think food would be such a big part of my career. At that point, when I moved to the U.S., I was um, trying to, you know, get by by working in restaurants and stuff. But I, I had the chance. I had a clean slate to be whoever I wanted to be. So I decided to get into voiceover acting. And voiceover acting was really what opened the doors to this um, media world in the U.S. And then, you know, I, I escalated in that. I did well in voiceover. I, I got into other things like acting and commercials. And when I moved to Los Angeles, when I decided to move to Los Angeles, four years after moving to the U.S., was when I was simply applying for jobs online and I saw the MasterChef ad and I figured, hey, I have food common sense. I know how to cook and... I have something to say, so I'm going to try this out. And I ended up trying it out, and who knew that it would um, shape my career in a huge way. That is really incredible, and you got really quite far in the show, didn't you? I, I feel so. I feel so. I mean, I, I barely made it to the top 10, <laughs> but for me that was huge because I did feel from the moment I got there that I was one of the people who less knew about food. So I was there to learn. And the fact that I made it through the first top 80 and then the top 40 and then top 20 and then I kept going there from 19, 18, 17, every time it was a proof to myself that I can achieve anything, that I can achieve these things, even though I, I wasn't an expert at the time. I'm still not an expert. And I mean, it opened so many doors. It's, it's been amazing. <laughs> And I love that you had the courage, actually, I would call it courage to go on the show, even though you knew that you didn't have like the training that a lot of your competitors would probably have. But that also brings up something that I believe, which is that you don't, one does not have to go to a culinary school or be trained in some way to just be good at cooking. I think passionate home cooks have just as much um, credibility in a lot of ways as people who paid to go to culinary school. Well, I agree 100% with that. And not only with culinary school, but with most activities in life, really. We end up, you know, learning from experience and nowadays from YouTube or, yeah, or right. Google. But um, <laughs> there are ways to do whatever you're passionate about uh, without necessarily going to school for them. I, I actually would invite anybody who's interested in something to first try it out before going to school for it because then you will take advantage of of school and that's especially true when it comes to arts i feel mm. when it comes to to this to cooking cooking is an art and you either have it or you don't you know you can you can train you can get better you can always you cannot have it and you can train and you can have it but like every art you're you're kind of born with this thing or you develop this thing that, that that's what what I call food common sense. And mm. I think that's what's gotten me far in this industry is that I understand flavors. They just make sense when I put them together or sometimes they don't. And and it's just food common sense. <laughs> right. And then you listen to that intuition. You tap into it when when you need to. Well, you have to explore. You have to definitely make mistakes because experience is really what's going to get you the knowledge more right. than having the common sense or anything because I can I mean I could just grab this common this food common sense I have and not do anything with it and I still wouldn't be a very good cook but I mean trial and error that's the only way I've learned anything at least <laughs> 
I love how you are so pro experience because it's true. Like you just when it comes right down to it, it's a just do it mentality, right? It's like, like you got to try it because you're never going to know unless you try it. And I kind of your whole life has been that, right? You're like, well, I'm going to go to the U.S. because if I don't go, then I know I definitely won't achieve what I hope to achieve. So let's just like get the ball rolling. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like everything in life. It's also um, a bunch of small decisions. You know, it was never for me that I, you know, I planned all this out or, or any of that. I just, you know, you make small decisions every day and you decide to get out of your comfort zone a little bit at a time. I guess moving out of the country is something big, but but there were a bunch of little decisions that led me to to that. And even here, a master chef or taste mate or any of these big things that I've achieved here, they've all been, you know, making small decisions at a time. It's not like I leaped into this culinary world. I just send an application and then I send another one and then I send an audition. And then I've been doing that ever since, embracing every day at a time and taking advantage of every opportunity. And it's led me here. On the culinary school and experience note, uh, like I did go to culinary school. I did the like Le Cordon Bleu in Paris thing because I thought, because I had followed my intuition up to a point where I was like, I might even want to start a restaurant one day. Who knows? And so I did that. Bo- and then that's what told me, no, you actually, you don't want, you don't like the restaurant scene. You like the videos. That's stuff. amazing that you did it after having explored cooking first, because then I mean, you knew what you were going to school for. You knew what you were getting into. You um, wrote a quote on social media. I forget which, but I'll read it. It's a it's an Anna Quindlin quote, and it was, um, "Life and work. The second is only part of the first. Don't ever confuse the two. Yes. Talk to me about why that spoke to you and why you posted about it because I would actually say to me you kind of represent someone who's like work is so important for your life because you enjoy it so much and so yeah just where what was your mindset in why did that resonate for you well you know lately I've been going through a lot of transitions in my life and um, it it always it it makes me challenge my beliefs it makes me read new things and and get into, you know, thought processes that are not usually the ones I would go to if, if I'm looking for comfort. So I have this little book of quotes, and that was actually the quote that came up that day, which, which made perfect sense to me at the moment, because I've always lived my life where I don't have like separate pillars in my life, where one is work, one is family, one is love. I just have it all muddled together in this huge salad of stuff. Yeah. And that's the way I live my life. Like my love, my work, my everything is all part of just one big thing. And I guess it works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. It works in the sense that you, we can't get too caught up in one pillar or in one thing or another, either, you know, physically or emotionally or we are a being that consists of all these things, including physical. I feel it's important to be constantly inspired with everything that's going on and not only a certain part of your life. So I get involved and, and I live constantly. I, I meet people constantly who are very involved in their line of work because in in the arts, I feel you never stop working. You know? Even yeah, when you're, exactly. When you're going to go to sleep or when you wake up, you're still thinking about your craft, what you're going to do, what calls you're going to make, if you're going to get an email. So you never really stop working and work kind of becomes your life. Mm-hmm. It was a good reminder that, 
you know, to to organize your your priorities mm. and just remind yourself. And by by when I post these things, I think I remind myself. Yeah. And I hope that through reminding myself, some people do feel inspired by it. But that is what I needed to hear at that moment. That um, work was just a part of of who I am. Specifically, that it is just a part of who I am. Mm. It is just a part. It's only a piece. It's not. It's not who I am. So, um, that's that's what spoke to me that that day. I think the fact that I needed to I needed to remind myself that my life is much more than one of those pillars. My life consists of all this stuff muddled together, and if I if I organize myself correctly. I'm always going to be fine. Work is always going to be fine. Love is always going to, everything is going to be fine. It's such an important reminder because you're right, as a creative person and someone in the arts, yeah, I mean, I can just totally relate to everything that you just said. And a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are also creatives and entrepreneurs or self-employed. Yeah. And it is so easy to blur those lines. And sometimes on the days when when it works when and when you're in a certain mind space, you know, maybe it's okay to be kind of obsessed with what you do and that work is life. But other days, you're right. We need to remind ourselves, I am not what I do. No, I, I agree with that 100%. You know, I read something the other day. I was listening to a a podcast, actually. I think his name is Robert Rohr. He's a, um, a sort of spiritual leader, Catholic, I believe. I don't usually... Um, do religious stuff because I feel sometimes it's biased but this guy was an amazing speaker and I had to listen to him and one of the things he said which made sense to me was that we must find every day a space of peace a space of connection with our true selves and um, either through prayer or meditation or in my case it's been for the last couple of days a long walk on the beach for a couple mm. of hours and that becomes your your go-to moment throughout the whole day. It's important to do it every day because it's easier to relate, easier to go back to that moment. So every time you feel right. that you lose balance, that something goes on, something bothers you, something makes you mad, something makes you anxious, you just kind of go back to that moment. So it, it made me have a different approach towards meditation, towards having that private moment where I thought it would only serve me at that moment of the day to kind of recenter myself and then I would continue my life as as you know I would regularly do but what it really is it's setting a standard for you every day it's reminding you who you truly are so that when these other things that happen throughout the day that make us anxious that make us uh, you know feel certain emotions that are temporary we can just go back to who we truly are yeah it's it's the power of habit Right? Exactly. Because you can better gauge. Exactly. And that's why it's important to have that moment of yourself with yourself because that way you, you know who you are. You know who you truly are, not who you are under the circumstances that have made you felt a certain way throughout the day. So I guess that all connects to the, the first question you made about um, that quote I posted because work, um, you know, we have to remind ourselves who we are as a whole. In, and then when we get too caught up in one of these things, either work or love or relationships or uh, anything else, we know to, that we have that, that moment to go back to, you know, and, and that gives us balance. 
And that's what I think that quote represented at the end, balance. Do you, when you are having one of those days where it's just like life is just overwhelming and do you do something to remind yourself to open up or do you kind of just like give yourself like, you know what, today is going to be a day where I'm just not my best. Like, do you accept or do you, are you constantly fighting to, to get to that open state? Well, I mean, all these things, I guess these answers will change um, as I grow, as I have more experiences and I, and I learn more. I think they have recently changed right now because, you know, I went through something where life, I feel, stripped me from everything I had just to teach me that I don't need anything. And mm. what that taught me, and, and coming back to your question, is I don't fight anything. I let things happen. If I'm feeling sad, I'll just sit down and cry and feel sad and ask myself why I'm feeling sad and live it and really not not fight it because resistance is never good. And if we just go, you know, with the with the flow, I'm sure we'll find peace in it. And everything that we are living, we have to live. So I think my approach towards um, my daily problems have lately been... Uh, patience. Um, I've experienced a lot of times, and I'm sure you have too, where you start off having a terrible day, and at the end, it ends up being the best day of your life. You're like, oh my God, mm. I met somebody, I had a job <laughs> opportunity, and at first, when I crashed my car this morning, I thought that it was the worst day of my life. So, it's um, the amazing thing about about time is that we we have a new opportunity every minute. Every second, we have a new opportunity to feel differently. So I think that has been my approach, to embrace whatever I'm feeling, but then also have the patience to know that things might change and things, or, or, or that knowing that things will change and that if I have the right mindset, they can change for better. So my question for you is, Alejandro, how do you keep it quirky? How do I keep it quirky? Quirky is a new word for me, let me tell you. I ha mm. yeah. And um I I guess you know I <laughs> how do I not keep it quirky? I live <laughs> I live in a mobile home. Um so I'm constantly moving, I'm constantly changing my comfort zone. I guess that would be my answer is staying out of your comfort zone or at least right outside of it you know because it's yeah, it is good yeah. to come back it is good to not forget who we are where we come from what is good to us because ultimately that will guide our decisions throughout our whole lives who we who we are in the core our true selves but besides that just dare to always step outside of your comfort zone you know and that's i think how you keep it quirky by always finding ways to challenge your beliefs finding ways to challenge your ways and just being open to change stay out of your comfort zone and you know it's funny my dad gave me a uh, a postcard when i was around 16 and it said life begins at the end of your comfort zone and it took me a long time to understand that and i think every day i understand it more and more and that is, I think that would be my recommendation on how to keep it quirky. Just venture outside of your comfort zone. 
That's amazing. I love it. You keep it quirky with the best of them. Um, now, will you do me a favor and just say keep it quirky in your best VO voice? Well, I can give you several takes like I usually Okay, do. yeah, that's right. You have many VO voices, don't exactly. you? Exactly. I have many VO voices. So we can start with a keep it quirky. Or it can also be a keep it quirky. You know, like one of those in, in Venezuela, they used to do the radio thing where after the radio station name, they would go like 92.9. Keep it quirky. <laughs> <laughs> Alejandro, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me here. This is amazing to be able to share with you, to see what you're achieving, what you're doing. It's, it's amazing. You're also an example of keeping it quirky. Like you stay out of your comfort zone. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you again to Alejandro. You can find him on Instagram at Alejandro Toro VO and on YouTube, just search Alejandro Toro. You can find the Keep It Quirky podcast on Instagram at Keep It Quirky Podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at QKD, of course, my YouTube channel, The QKD. Thanks as always to my brother, Brian Quinn, for this theme song you're hearing. I'll see you back here real soon. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep it quirky.